Welcome to The Chapel Online. At The Chapel, we're about helping people meet, know, and follow Jesus on the campus, in the city, and around the world. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the chapel. My name is Andrew Riley, and I am the college pastor here. And I'm just delighted that you're here. And when they get the college pastor to come up here, you know it's going to be a good Sunday, right? And uh, today we're going to be in Psalm 150. Uh, we have already read it. We've talked about it. Um, and this is the very last psalm in the book of Psalms um, in the Bible. And so many of you are like, okay, we're done with our psalm series. We're not. This is just the end of our mini-series in Psalms about praise. And so when you come back next week, you are still going to be in Psalms. So don't get confused. And um, when we uh, read this Psalm, we see that it's all about praise and music and worship. And so here's what I want to do. I want to go ahead and read it one more time because we did read it this morning, but let's be honest, most people come in after the first song. And uh, so we're going to read it one more time just to make sure but it's on the same page here. Um, Psalm 150 verse one says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his highest heavens, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and the lyre, praise him with timbrel and dancing, exotic here, praise him with the strings and pipe, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with resounding cymbals, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Okay, I went to seminary, and this chapter is about praising the Lord. <laughs> Just to make sure you guys know, I've done a lot of research on this. Um, but it's all about music, it's about singing praises, it's about being vibrant, it's about being loud and obnoxious for the Lord, which is kind of weird and, and kind of different. Um, and why would, after all the Psalms, why would we end with this Psalm of praise? Why would the Psalmist write this? Praise is in every single line. It's the word hallelujah or hallelujah, which means praise the Lord, praise Yahweh, or praise God. And he says it in every single line. Why? Let me tell you, because music is powerful. Music is extremely powerful. You look at the history of the church, you look at the history of humanity, and you see that music has been used and has been used to literally express just about every single thing that you can think of. It's expressed emotions, worldview, theology, ideology, love, culture, politics. It preserves the history for the future and Music helps generations dream about what the future could be. For thousands and thousands of years, the church has used it. We've written it down, we've put it in books so that future generations could sing it. You go even further back and you see that music did the same thing for the Israelites, God's chosen people. And then once again, you look at humanity in general and music is powerful. It can shape the minds of future generations and it already has. Right? I think back to the music I used to listen to and it tried to shape my mind. But thank goodness God protected me in many ways and I had loving parents who also guided me and was also speaking things contrary to what songs were trying to teach me. But it shapes the minds of a culture. Music is vitally important. I was uh, on a 
family road trip going to Oklahoma um, for 23 human beings to be in a little tiny cabin. And on the way there, what do you do? You listen to music. And so while the kids are watching uh, a movie in the back seat, um, Amy and I, my wife, we put on some music and we don't agree on much music. Uh, but one of the only people we do agree with is Taylor Swift for whatever reason. And um, anyway, so we got on Spotify and found the Taylor Swift throwback album and we started listening to it and it was great. I mean, everything from Fearless, for those of you that know Taylor Swift, uh, that, that's, that was my favorite album personally. Um, anyway, and she made this statement uh, after listening to one of the songs. She said, it's crazy how much music can bring back memories of people and places that you haven't thought about in decades. And that is so true. I mean, think about it. Like I, I have memories on the bus going to school and the music playing on the radio. I mean, like really weird stuff, okay? You all know those songs. But I, I remember that one of my strongest memories in church as a child was watching my dad passionately, passionately worship the Lord. And I, I didn't, I don't make that up. It's one of these memories I've just had, I've thought about every now and then. But once I started writing this sermon and I was like, man, music is so powerful and it does bring us back to old people, old places. It reminds us of things that happened decades ago and we attach them to different memories. Music is extremely important. Not only that, with our college students, um, uh, three years ago, we started to capture all of the testimonies when student would, uh, students would get baptized. In the past three years, we've got a hundred testimonies of people from this stage proclaiming Jesus Christ, which is, first of all, a miracle in and of itself. But secondly, it's probably every fourth or fifth testimony in which the decision to get baptized or to follow Jesus was made during a worship song. Every fourth or fifth one. And I have one here that I just want to read to you. It's the first one I found. It was like number three. And it says this. Uh, this was this testimony. I came to refuge with a couple of my teammates last spring. And the second time I attended refuge, at the end, when we were in worship, they played the song, Who You Say I Am. And that song really caught my attention and was when I realized there was something special happening at refuge. Fast forward to this fall during worship when the band played Hallelujah for the Cross. It was that moment that I realized that Jesus was my Lord and Savior and I wanted to glorify him in all that I do. God uses worship, he uses praise, he uses music to impact people for him. And music is such a strong thing that binds people together and it bonds the church together. When we sing psalms that they were singing thousands of years ago, it aligns us with them and it connects us in a new and unique way. God wants to use music to do incredible things. And so when we look at Psalm 150, we see that's why it's such a big deal. Now we don't know the author of this Psalm, but we know the last five chapters of the book of Psalms all end with a statement of praise. And yet the very last one in every single line, we have hallelujah or praise be, praise to the Lord. Praise to God, every single line. So what does this tell us? We've been in the book of Psalms for a long time. What have we seen? The book of Psalms is filled with lamenting. It's filled with shame. It's filled with regret. It's filled with joy. It's filled with excitement. It's filled with repentance. It's filled with sorrow. It's filled with justice. It's filled with mercy. It has all these things, everything life has to offer us. 
It has all of it. And yet at the end of everything, at the end of all of our life, after we see all the mountains and we see all the valleys and we experience everything this life, this world has to throw at us, our response is praise. That should be our response after everything that this life has to throw at us. Our response is praise. If you're in the mountain, praise. In the valley, praise. Sorrowful, praise. Grief, praise. Joy, praise. Everything is praise. Now, we don't know who wrote the book, but they must have been a journalist because they gave us the where, how, who, and uh, what of praise. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. I was an advertising major, mass communications, and I spotted it right away. Had nothing to do with seminary. Um, but the first thing we're going to look at is the where, the where of praise. Once again, we're going to look at the where, the why, the how, and the who of praise. So verse 1 says, praise the Lord, praise God in the sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heaven. So where do we praise? It's going to be everywhere, going to be everywhere. You got it, guys. Good job. Some of you already filled it out. You can probably guess the other ones. This is a very easy outline today. Um, but first of all, we're called to praise him where? In his sanctuary. It's a word we don't use very much anymore. Many of you were raised in a church in which they called this room the sanctuary. We actually don't call it that. I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, we call this room the auditorium. Um, because of what the sanctuary was in the Old Testament. What was the sanctuary? Well, when God told Moses to build his, the temple, um, the innermost part of that temple was called the sanctuary. And the sanctuary was where the manifest presence of God existed. That's where it rested. And it's so important because when everyone else had gods that were far from their people, that were far away, that were up in the sky looking at them, raining down fire, whatever it is they thought their gods were doing, Yahweh, the one true God of the universe, said, I want to be with my children. I want to be next to them. I want to bless them. I want to protect them. I'm going to be right here. And that's what the sanctuary was. I'm going to be with my people. And it gave, showed them that God cares for them like a father does for his children. Well, what happened? Many times the temple was packed up and moved or once it was built, it was destroyed or it was um, pillaged or whatever it may be. Um, and then in 70 AD, it was destroyed again. And so the temple was there. It wasn't there. It was there. It wasn't there. And eventually God gave them a promise. And Jeremiah, the prophet by the, through the prophet Jeremiah and through the prophet Ezekiel, he gave them a promise. He said, hey, look, this temple is not always here. But one day I'm going to give you a new spirit. One day I'm going to give you a new heart and I will be with you always. And they didn't really know what that meant. They knew that was going to be a glorious time. It was going to be great, but they didn't really know what that meant. Fast forward to the time of Jesus. And what happened? He gave another promise. He said, hey, when I die, I'm going to send you a counselor. I'm going to send you someone who's going to help you, who's going to, who's going to guide you. And once again, the disciples were like, this is awesome. They still didn't know what it was. And we don't see till the book of Acts what it was. That the Holy Spirit of God, when someone believes that Jesus died on the cross for their sin, paying their penalty that they could never pay, when someone truly believes that, that they receive the Holy Spirit of God inside of them. And something crazy happens in that moment. The Bible now says that you an individual, after you believe and receive the Holy Spirit, you are now a temple for God. 
We see this in 1 Corinthians 6. It says it in verse 19 and 20. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We see that when you believe you are given the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you, you are now a temple. In many ways, we are now a sanctuary for God. And if it is true that we are a temple, we are now a a sanctuary, we are a resting place of where the God of the universe lives and dwells and rests. If that is true, then what that means is now praise should exist wherever we exist. Wherever you go is where praise should be. Wherever there is a human being that has the Holy Spirit, that's where praise should follow. And so we see two things. Praise is both individual and collective. It's individual. It's inside of you. This means that no matter, no matter where you are, right, whether you're stuck in traffic or you're not stuck in traffic and you're using cruise control, which is the most fantastic invention ever, right, whether you are at home, whether you're at work, whether you're at church, whether you're not at church, praise should exist. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what your job is. Praise should exist. Whether you're a pastor or as Andrew Bates wrote in his notes, a pooper scooper. I don't know why he contrasted those, but whatever, right? Whether you're an architect, you're a coder, you're a student, whether you're a stay-at-home parent, whether you're retired, praise should exist wherever you go. Whether you're a camp counselor, Pine Cove was just here last week. And one of the funniest things, oh my gosh, my, my son Noah he kept referring to his camp counselor as his manager. <laughs> and he kept wondering why we were laughing and he had no idea. Because it sounds you know, really prideful. It's like, what do you, who do you think you are? He's like, you think you're the star of the show? You need a manager? No, he just legitimately thought they were called a manager. He was like, yeah, my manager had to give me his lunch today. And I was like, what are you talking about? Your manager. Anyway, that's a little aside. But uh, no matter what you do, praise should follow. No matter whether you sit behind your desk answering emails or you're on the phone with people or you're the person that writes up all the the quotes, you're the one that's doing requests for proposals, you're the one that's designing, it doesn't matter what you do, praise exists where you are and by what you do, by how you're patient with people, how you talk with people, how you interact with your coworkers, all of this can be praise to the God of the universe. Praise, it's individual. The second thing is it's collective. It's collective. So the temple existed, right? The Israelites, God's chosen people, they would set up the temple and then what would everyone do? Everyone would go gather in the temple. They couldn't go all the way in the sanctuary, but they would gather around the temple. That's why we don't necessarily call this room a sanctuary. But they would gather around in the temple and they would sing praise. Many of the things we've done this morning, they would read the Bible. They would sing together. They would pray together. They would offer sacrifices. We don't do that anymore. But they would do all of that collectively. And so praise is supposed to be this collective thing. And all throughout the history of the church, praise has been collective as well as individual. Now, why do I say this? This is important because, man, even though online church can be a great resource and it can be so good and necessary in times of maybe coronavirus, right? It can be a good thing, a great resource. At the end of the day, it's incomplete. It can be good for so many things, but at the end of the day, 
It's incomplete. It's missing something. When we gather together, this is when we cry with one another. This is when we share one another's burdens. This is when we encourage one another. This is when we pray over one another. And if you're not meeting collectively, then that doesn't happen. And it should happen. And all throughout the history of the church, it should happen. Once again, online church can be a great resource. It's not the devil, as some people think it is. But it's always going to be missing something and lacking. And yes, you can praise individually in online church. But man, you're missing the collective aspect of praise that we see all throughout the Bible and all throughout the church. It's needed and it's necessary. And so, um, man, we've done... We've done one verse <laughs> and I'm not even done. We've done one line in one verse. Um, the next line says this, verse one, it says, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him in his mighty heavens. So what does that mean? Basically, uh, it means everywhere. Okay. Uh, is anybody in the space force here? Do we have any yet? One of these days, one of these days, there is going to be a Space Force cadet in here. And that's, that's going to be cool. Okay. Anybody want to start the, the first space church? No? Not feeling it? All right. Uh, I think it'd be cool. And here's the deal. It doesn't matter where we go as human beings. If we figure out how to go like light speed and we colonize like other solar systems or whatever, praise should exist there. If we colonize Mars, praise should exist there. In fact, someone came up to me after the last service and said, hey, do you know what Buzz Aldrin did on the moon that no one wants you to know about? Communion. Sure enough, I looked at it. He did communion on the moon. Praise exists everywhere in this universe. No matter where we end up going, praise exists there and should exist there. Wherever humans go, wherever something that has breath goes, praise should follow everywhere. The next verse. Verse 2, praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. This tells us the why. This tells us the why, because of his power and greatness. Super simple, his power and greatness. Why do we praise God? His acts of power and his greatness. So I wanna talk about both those things. The first is his act of power, what he's done. When we look at the Israelites, the reason that they praised him for his acts of power, what were they thinking about? They were thinking about, man, the flood. They were thinking about the walls of Jericho. They were thinking about the lion's den and, and Daniel being saved from the fire. They were thinking about deliverance from Pharaoh. They were thinking about the parting of the Red Sea. They were thinking about God's uh, uh, sustaining of them with manna and water from the rock. They were thinking about all of his acts of power. And so now fast forward today, we not only see all those acts of power that we can celebrate God for, but also all the acts of power we've seen in our lives. Every time God's answered a prayer in your life, every time he's kept you alive when you shouldn't be alive. And the older I get, the more I realize, man, there's more of those than I ever thought. My dad says all the time, I can't believe I got through my college years without a scratch. Anyway, we get to praise God for that. We get to praise God. We live in a country in which we do not have to fear retribution or persecution in this room on a Sunday morning like people all over the world have to. We live in a country in which we don't have to worry about our next meal, or at least the vast majority of us don't. Man, what a blessing. What an act of God's power that we benefit from that he deserves praise for. And the funny thing about it, some people don't like uh, songs of praise that say the word I or things that we get from God 
it is all throughout the Psalms. Like I just want to say the word I and praising God for what he gives us and what he's done in our lives and what he's done for the church. That's okay. It's okay. It shouldn't be the only thing, but it's okay. It's not Satan. It's not messed up to sing a song, thanking God for what he's done in your life. That, that really is theologically okay. I just want to give you the freedom there to praise God for his acts of power, both collectively and individually in your life. <clears throat> but we also see his greatest act of power. We have the opportunity to see something that the Israelites never got to see. His greatest act of power was raising Jesus from the dead. His greatest act of power was defeating sin. His greatest act of power was defeating death. This is the greatest act of power the world has ever seen. When God loved his people so much that he took on the form of a human, the nature of a human, a servant, and died on a cross for our sins, died on a cross to free us from our slavery to evil and sin, to save us from our shame. By his act of power, we can be saved from our guilt. By his act of power, we can be freed from our shame. By his act of power, we can escape the bondage of addictions in our life by his act of power. And many of you have experienced that act of power. Some of you have never once experienced that in your life. And I just want to say that power of God is a promise that he wants to give to anybody who calls out to his name. Anybody who believes that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the punishment, he paid the guilt of our sin, our shame, that we could never repay ourselves. And I find it so ironic. I find it really ironic that in our culture right now, one of the biggest words you hear that our, this Gen Z is raising up with is manifest it, right? It's a, it's a very common phrase that you hear these days. Manifest it. Make it happen. You can bring about whatever it is you want, whatever it is you desire, you can manifest it into existence. By your power, by your work, by your um, diligence, you can make all of this happen. And yet it's ironic because the way that we receive the power of God in the Bible is by realizing that we have no power. That's irony. The way we receive the power of God, God's power of salvation, God's power of forgiveness, is by realizing that our power is basically nothing and can't manifest anything we need into existence. And it is only when we trust in God's power and not our own and what we think we can do to make up for our past and our bad deeds, it's only when we trust in God's power and what he did on the cross that we actually get to experience the greatest act of power, which is the defeat of sin and death in our lives. And that promise is open to anybody. But once again, it's ironic. It only comes when you realize you can't save yourself and you have to trust in God's power. One of the most insulting verses is in 2 Corinthians when it says God uses the weak to shame the wise. God uses the ignorant to shame the wise. And I think it's fitting, especially in our current culture where we can manifest anything. It says you can't manifest anything you ultimately need. You can't. And it's only when you realize that you're weak and you trust in God that you truly experience the act of power that we see in the Bible. 
I've experienced it. I've talked to so many people. I've heard a hundred stories in the last three years of people who have experienced that act of power. And that invitation is open to you as well. But it requires you to lay down what you think you can do. And to trust in the God who created you. So we praise God for his acts of power. The second thing we praise God for is his greatness. So not just what he does, but who he is. Not just what he does, but who he is. This is so important. Um, There's so many people that like to argue who is the greatest basketball player of all time, right? And there's usually, you know, four, uh, people do a top 10 list, but usually there's four people that are thrown in there. You've got LeBron James, you've got MJ, you've got Wilt Chamberlain, and now you've got Steph Curry along with Kobe Bryant and a few others, people who say Larry Bird and whatnot. Uh, And there's a few other people as well, but they always do what? When you wanna talk about someone's greatness, what do you do? When you talk about someone's greatness, you talk about their stats. You talk about their accolades. You talk about their acts of power, right? So when it's MJ, it's like, hey, he's got the most rings. When it's uh, LeBron, it's like, hey, look at what he's done in the playoffs. Look at what he's done for these different teams. Um, Some of his stats are a little bit better than MJ. When you look at Wilt Chamberlain, you're like, man, this guy scored 100 points in one game. Dominant, absolutely dominant. And now Steph Curry is like doing his thing. And it's just everybody, when you want to say this person's the greatest, what do you do? You look at their accolades. You look at their stats. Look at the championships, the MVPs, right? You look at all these things. But it stops there. Not one of those people do we celebrate because of their greatness, because of who they are, only because of what they've done on the court. God is the only one who you can look at in all of existence and say he actually deserves praise and honor and is worthy of it because of who he is and not just what he's done. And so when you think about it, God, who is God? He is a spaceless, timeless, immaterial, uncaused, first cause. He's omnipresent, omniscient. He's omnipotent. His only weaknesses are because of his own perfection, Let you think about that one for a minute. Everything we do, everything we say is measured against his perfect character. That is the only being, that is the only thing that is worth and worthy of any praise and any honor. And even though we can look at all these basketball players and say, hey, look, man, look at their acts of greatness. Look at what they've done. You cannot celebrate them without celebrating the one who gave them what they have. You cannot celebrate them without celebrating their creator. You cannot celebrate the painting without celebrating the painter. And when even people just want to look at the thing and celebrate the thing, you are ultimately needing to give praise to the one who designed it. At the end of the day, God is the only one, the only one who deserves praise. The only one worthy of that honor and that worship because of his greatness. And everything else falls Holy short. Let's continue. Verse three through five. Ooh, this one's fun. All right. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals and praise him with the resounding cymbals. So how do we praise God? Loudly. We praise God with everything. I just want to point out here, some of you have something against drums and loudness, and I'm just saying it's biblical, all right? That's all I'm saying is when this guy comes up here again later and he might hit it a little bit harder than you want, it's just think, Psalms 150. 
50, Psalms 150, right? That's all you need to think. Okay, uh, this is important because each one of these instruments means something to the Israelites from their history. They all mean something. For the trumpet, it was used at festivals, sacrifice, the day of atonement, when the Ark of the Covenant was brought to Jerusalem, the call to worship, the call to battle, or the announcement of a new king. The harp, the lyre, was used to show joy or dedication. It was used in sacrifices, and it was used to show grief. So um, the harp and the lyre, those are stringed instruments. Um, violins and cellos, I'm a sucker for them. If you look at like my playlist or most repeated songs, like that's what it is. Right now I found this random composer. I can't say his name. It's like Ludovic Vico. I can't remember. He's a composer. He does great songs, but it's all like stringed instruments. And, uh, and I'll listen to it with my kids and they all say the same thing. They say, why is it so sad? <laughs> and then what I started doing was it's, there's no words to these songs. And so I'll start making up stories during the song. And, um, my kids started doing it too. And all the stories end up being really sad. Like to the point where I like kind of stopped. I was like, man, this isn't healthy. Cause my kids were like, and then they died. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this may not be a good idea. I was like, maybe, maybe, maybe later. And they're like, dad, tell us a story. Tell us a sad story. I'm like, no, no, we can't do that anymore. Um, a little bit too much. It's okay for a little bit. But anyway, okay. So it was used for, to show grief and sorrow. The percussion, the timbrel, and the cymbals was joy, military victories, celebrations, and then dancing was godly joy, victory, overcoming grief, and then David in the streets in his underwear. Don't, I don't encourage that one. I think there's laws against it, uh, but if you want to do it in your own room, that's cool. Um, but they all meant something. We see all of these things in Israel's past. And what I love is that all these instruments represents a different part of the body for praise and worship. And it shows us that we are called to praise with everything. So the trumpets, the pipe, and the voice is breath. Everything we do, everything we say with our mouths, how we encourage, how we discipline our children, how we talk to our coworkers, how we sing, is all breath from us, from our lungs. The God who gave us breath when we breathe out is supposed to be praised to him. No matter what we do, no matter what we say, no matter who we talk to. The harp, the lyre, the strings, it's all fingers. It's all fingers. It's what we do with our fingers. I think of cell phones, everything we scroll through, everything we like, everything we search, everything we text, everything we tweet, everything we post, all supposed to glorify and praise the God who created you. Even the, the, the little crafts you make with your kids, all dedicated to praise God. The timbrel, the tambourine, the cymbals. I know y'all be hating on the drums, but man, your hands, the hands, what do you, what do you, what your work, what you do with your hands, how you work. Is your work worship to you? Is your work how you praise God? I don't care what you do. Is it how you praise God with your hands? The emails you send, body, your whole body, dancing, shoot. Y'all should have seen Pine Cove. How many, do we have any Pine, Pine Cove counselors back this week? Is there any, raise your hand. Okay, we've got a few. They're all, they're all out. Uh, I worked at Pine Cove. Man, 
um, I was reminded this week, Pine Cove came, Pine Cove City came to our Segan location and uh, my kids got to go for the first time and experience Pine Cove and it was just awesome. And um, man, I remember we used to sing, we used to sing this song. It was about David dancing around in his underwear and that passage talks about how he's become even more undignified than this. Anyway, and so the song is about basically worshiping God undignified. In other words, people are going to think it's weird. People are going to think it's different. And uh, I remember Pine Cove was the first time where I learned how to worship and not give a rip about what other people thought. And we would throw kids up in the air. We'd be jumping. We'd be sweating like crazy. And then, and I was reminded at the end of this Pine Cove service, we actually got to watch them do worship. Uh, and they even do cheers and chants at the ends of worship songs to be like, let's go, let's keep dancing, let's keep jumping. One of them is more Jesus, more sweat, more Jesus, more sweat. Y'all know, right? If you went to Pine Cove, you know, and it's just, just everything in your body is worshiping the Lord in those moments. And I don't do that at refuge, uh, at least not in front of people. And, uh, but it's just, there's something so fun and unique about giving up your whole body in praise to God. And I know on a Sunday morning, me saying this is not going to make y'all want to do stuff. Uh, but at the same time, it's okay. There's freedom here. I remember I used to, uh, or when I go on runs, sometimes I'll listen to worship music. And there are times where whatever it is, the Spirit's moving my life. And I just literally raise my hands and worship God. And so I think a few things. One, it's not very aerodynamic. It's really tough. And uh, the second thing, I was like, my, my neighbors have 4K cameras. Like, they're watching this. But I don't care. Sometimes it's okay to let your body get into worship and for your body to worship the Lord. And maybe Sunday morning's not the place for, for most of you. I completely understand that. Um, but it does make me, it made me ask two questions this week. I had to ask myself two questions this week. The first question was this. When was the last time that I, when was the last time you praised God on a day that wasn't Sunday? When was the last time you praised God that wasn't a Sunday? Praising God is for all times, not just this hour that you wish was over in 50 minutes, right? It's for the entire week. The second question was this, when was the last time that I praised God like I celebrated a touchdown? When was the last time I praised God like I celebrated a touchdown? It's a good question. When I was at LSU, I was Mike the Tiger for three years. It was hot, sweaty, nasty. I celebrated some touchdowns pretty big. That means I have a high bar for celebrating God with my body. Right? And I haven't done that in a while. And I remember, I mean, I just got to remember, have so many great memories of doing things like that when I got to see Pine Cove counselors doing it this past week. And um, there's a reason I keep it loud on a Sunday night at Refuge for our college ministry, there's a reason. Um, and it's not because I like loud music. I keep it really loud because I want people to feel the freedom to sing as loud as they can to God without fear of distracting the person next to them. They won't do that on a Sunday morning. I know they won't. Um, but that's why I do it on a Sunday night. I want people to feel free to express. I want people to feel free to get their body into it. I want people to feel free to sing as loud as I can. and. People are not good singers. I don't know if you know that. There's a reason the people up here are up here. And the, there's a reason the majority of us are down there, right, during worship. And um, it doesn't always sound good. <laughs> uh, but man, it feels good to sing with everything you've got, even if it sounds bad. It's still a joyful noise. Last verse, verse six. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So who? Every creature that has breath. Every creature that has breath. Now, I don't think this, like I don't believe what I'm about to say, um, but if there, are, if there are aliens out there and they're carbon-based like us, right? And they have to breathe um, and they need oxygen. They also should praise God, all right? I'm not saying I don't have any conspiracy theories, okay? I don't have any of those. But if they are there and God created them and they're on some other galaxy or whatever out in the universe, they also should praise the God of the universe for his greatness and his acts of power. And everything that has breath should do it. Everything. And that means not just the humans, that means everything that has breath. And obviously those things can't communicate in the ways that we can, but they still praise God in their own way. In fact, not only does everything that has breath praise the Lord, but we see that all of the heavens and everything God created also praises the Lord. We see this in Psalm 19 verse one. The heavens declare, declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims communication, his handiwork. And then what did Jesus say? He says, if they don't worship, the rocks will. Luke chapter 19, verse 40, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. God demands worship. He is the only one who can be jealous for it. He is the only one who is worthy of it. And so at the end of the day, everything is eventually going to give praise to God. We see this in Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. It says that, he, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. One day, everything is going to give praise to the Lord. One day, everything is. And we can either get with the program now or we can see it for ourselves later. We then either begin to praise God now like everything is going to or we get to witness it later. And so I implore you, now's the time to start. If you're someone in this room, you've never begun to praise the Lord. You've never praised Jesus. You've never thanked him for the act of power of dying on the cross, rising from the grave, defeating sin and death. He can do that in your life and you can begin to praise him as everything that was created by him should praise him. But it takes Ironically, it takes you laying down what you think is your own power and trusting in his. And you can begin to praise the Lord as everything should. A lot of theologians will say the first responsibility of any created thing is worship for its creator. It's worship for God. And that should be everyone's responsibility because we're all created. And as the band comes up, I just want to end with, with this line. I just want to end with this line. Um, everyone, everywhere, praise God with everything. Everyone, everywhere, praise God with everything that you do. Not just on a Sunday morning. And so um, enough talking about praise. Now we get to do it. 
Uh, so the ushers are actually going to come forward with the tambourines. If everybody would grab one, I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen. Uh, but that would be cool. That would be cool. And if we had the budget, I would probably do it. But we, uh, anyway, let me pray for us. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you for everything that you've done in our lives. We praise you for everything you've done in past human history, and we praise you for everything you're going to do in the future. Thank you for sustaining us. Thank you for keeping us alive. Thank you for blessing us financially. Thank you for blessing us with the freedom we have in this country to meet and to worship. Lord, thank you for protecting us to be alive to this point in our life. But ultimately, God, we thank you for the greatest act of power we have ever seen, which was your love on the cross 2,000 years ago to save us from ourselves, to save us from our sin, to save us from our guilt, to save us, Lord, from an eternity destined away from you. Lord, will you help us this week respond in praise? Will you help us remember with every email we send, with every drawing, with every picture, every time we play with our children, with every phone call, every text, every post, God, will you remind us to give praise and honor to you with everything, with our breath, with our fingers, with our hands, and with our entire bodies. God, give us the freedom to be bold. Holy Spirit, fill us with joy and peace so that we can continue to worship you in a mighty way no matter what happens. Because even when we don't feel like it, God, it is still our job to praise you. So I pray for the people in this room who do not feel close to you. I pray for the people in this room who do not know you. I pray for the people in the room that feel like you're far from them. Lord, I pray that you still give them the energy to praise you in the midst of the valley. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To find out more about the chapel, visit thechapelbr.com.